Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode, I think this will be 103. Got a couple things in the works, all this stuff. Uh, pleasure to have my guest on the show today, Mr. Mike Bramante, comedian, and he's hosted the Do Less podcast. You can check it out. Uh, where can they follow you at, my man? Uh, they can follow me at Mike Bramante on all socials, Instagram, Twitter, just Mike underscore Bramante. He's a good follow. You guys want to check him out? He's a good comic. He, uh, I got to meet him in person. I've been following him for a long time, but I got to meet him in person when I was in the city uh, last week or so. And then good guy, great hang, had to bring him on the show. And uh, I've been a fan of this Do Less podcast that you have now. And, I'm, and I told you before the show that I'm going to yeah. be like a, a subscriber and all-time listener because I had to listen for research purposes. The whole inception of, of, uh, of Do Less, how did you come up with the idea of like, man, I hate people that do the most. I want to do less. <laughs> Well, I pre very much appreciate that. I'm glad you're going to be a listener. Uh, you know, it kind of started off where, so me and this other comic, Jake Velasquez, a uh, great comic here in the city, uh, we would do comedy a lot together. And, um, you know, we would walk home after, it, like this summer, we were doing a lot of outdoor stuff and we would walk home and just kind of like walk and talk and talk about our philosophies on life and everything. And right. uh, we just, you know, kind of, we, we kind of realized we had similar philosophies and like everybody's just trying to be trying to do too much. They're trying to be so much, you know, everyone on Instagram's like an actor, philanthropist, <laughs> right. uh, you know, venture capitalist, you know, right. it's like, just settle down. All right. Take it back a notch and really do more of what you do want to do and less of what you don't want to do. That's mm -hmm. kind of the underlying message, but we obviously play up a comedic angle of, also, doing less actually can be very successful, uh, like a very uh, good strategy to be successful. Truly. Yeah. Truly. Like, I have it in my idea and in, in my big book of ideas that the stand-up stuff pops off. I'm only going to come out with, like, six hours in my whole lifetime. I'm yeah. taking, like, three or four years in between each of them. Might go, you know, vacation in, like, the island somewhere. That's what I'm, I'm doing less. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, it's quality over quantity, right? I mean, like, um, you know, some there's been some comics who put out more, like a special, like every year, right? right. But uh, you know, maybe, yeah, I think a couple years between, you put out some hot special. Okay, I mean, if we're lucky enough to ever do that, right? It's it's quality over quantity, right? Right. But I think the beauty of the the modern comedy game right now is obviously we know that that for the longest time Netflix or whatever was just handing stuff out to anybody. But, yeah. you know, you, you saw these really good comics in the past couple of years that said, whatever, I'll just do it myself and put it out there. And like, you know, Morel, Norman and uh, all those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like I'm a big believer that you got to create your own opportunities and you can't wait around for people to give them to you. So, mm -hmm. you know, those guys are obviously, you know, big names and amazing comics. And, you know, they put their specials out on YouTube and got millions of views. So exactly. it's like you know, Netflix should have given them a special, but they're, if they're not gonna hit, Hey, I'm going to do it myself. Exactly, man. But how do yeah. we, how do you think we as comics are, are going to be able to like do less, but also succeed? Uh, <laughs> do you think it's just right. like playing I mean, up, playing up, being a cool guy? Yeah. I think cool guy. I mean, it's all about confidence. You know yeah. what I mean? Like me and Jake joke about, uh, on the podcast, like the best, like jokes are like the last thing you should tell. It should be riffing. It should be act outs and voices <laughs> with smoke and mirrors. And yeah. that's like, you know, we're obviously joking because me and him are actually, you know, big joke guys. And, you know, we're, we don't really do much of the other stuff. And we want to yeah. push ourselves to do more of that because it is a performance and you want, you got to add to it. Right. Right. Um, 
but you know we 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 you know we both work really hard at stand up but the thing is it's comedy it's jokes it doesn't feel like work so to us it feels like doing less because comedy is just so fun that it doesn't feel like work ever you know what i mean so if you're able to be a full-time stand-up comedian where like that's how you support yourself yeah that's a that's a do less lifestyle this is so philosophical and it's ironic because in your in one of your most recent episodes, you were talking about how like modern philosophy is just all one big scam. And I'm you're absolutely right. I find myself yeah. agreeing with your show all the time. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, if you look back, I think the point, you know, we made is like everyone's just repackaging things yeah. that have already been said, right? And so in a lot of philosophy is along the lines of, you know, kind of of do less you know, let, let, let go what you can't control, control. Yeah. What you can. Uh, that's a big, you know, it's a big component of philosophy. I'm on. And, and I like, I don't look up self-help videos. I don't yeah. look up this or that, but for some reason I'd say one, one thirty second of my TikTok timeline is yeah. these guys that get up there with a whiteboard and they're all like white dudes that have a muscular build and they have like the same haircut, same haircut. And, uh, you know, they're up there with their marker and they're just like, so the way to attract people is by pulling away from them. And it's like, he always talks about, yeah, I've seen those videos too. That's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, those guys clearly don't know they're, they're not attracting people. No, it's all one big scam, bro. And and you see these suckers and I'll call them suckers that sit there and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy changed my life. You know, like you never hear people that listen to what's his name? Tony Robbins. Right. Right. You never hear people that listen to him and are like, Oh yeah, I was homeless. And like, I hated my life. And then I listened to him on YouTube and like, I'm happy now. It's people that are like people that are like mid-level, like in life, the people that are mid-level in life, listen to him and think that they're like going to become CEOs. That's funny to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, we talked about, I think life coaches on our last episode. And to me, that whole thing is, is a huge scam. I mean, it's just, Again, he's he's he guys like him and him, they're just repackaging generic thoughts that mm-hmm. uh, or just you know general advice that other people yeah. and then they're going out and selling it and making millions of dollars off. Yeah, you know? it, it's, it's just because all... they're presenting it with confidence and they're presenting it with hey, you're gonna become you're gonna move from mid-level to a CEO if you follow these guidelines. And it's like you, you know, you don't that's all it's all nonsense it's all nonsense but you're absolutely right though that that it's all repackaged and it's all rehashed and i'm noticing that with like just society as a whole is everything has been done before you know we look at every tv show or most jokes now i feel like have been done before so that's the tough thing is like it with you know social media twitter you know just comedy's been around so long there's really it's really hard to have an original thought everyone's a comic now on twitter Everyone, everyone's a comic on Twitter. Everyone's a comic in everyday life, you know, it's true. <laughs> you, you try, you know, you, you want to be funny. And that's the thing is like with comedy now, it's so hard to have an original premise. Mm-hmm. You hope you execute the joke differently than somebody else yeah. has told it. Right. And that's why comedy has gotten so personal too. It's because like nobody has your personal story. Right. So exactly. that's why I feel like that's a way to differentiate yourself now because like all the observational stuff, although I've, I'm very much a fan of observational humor and I like try to like, yeah, to me too. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It gets getting harder and harder to do. I think, I think you're, you're on the, you're on the, on point there. Um, Kevin Hart had a, 
he, he had one of those sit down things with one of these life coach guys. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I, and I saw a clip of Kevin Hart on there. So I was like, Oh, I'll comic, I'll watch it. And, uh, he said that some guy in his early comedy, comedy, uh, I don't know, career, he was in yeah. Philly doing a show and everybody thought he was funny. You know, they came up to Kevin after the show. They go, yeah, you were really funny tonight. Yeah. You were really cool. And then the guy who was like his mentor in Philly go, Oh yeah. Well, what's his name? And nobody yeah. knew Kevin's name uh -huh. because he didn't tell a story. It wasn't personal. So I right. think that's, we could take a, a page out of that playbook. That's one thing I try to do. You know, when you let me up there and you let me get on, on the show at the cupboard, I told like three and a half, four minutes of about me being from West Virginia and growing up yeah. in West Virginia and having religious parents and stuff like that. Just try to make it like, yeah, this so is people my will remember you. you stand out. It's, yeah. uh, it's neat. Yeah. And I also have to apologize because I got the tape back and I think I went a little bit over and I apologize. Ah, come on, don't worry about it at all, man. No, absolutely it, not. it did. It, it ate me up a little bit. Like I was driving back to West Virginia. Uh, you got nothing to worry about. At all. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would have given you more time. We had a bit of a pack show and there's like a whole curfew thing with New York and everything. But uh, yeah, no, no, don't sweat it one bit. The curfew boys hit it to the minute. That's uh uh there's you know the what's the curfew in, in doing shows in new york i think it's uh, it's still 11 I, I don't it might be yeah i think it's technically 11 p.m though it's funny that uh you say like we only have a certain amount of time to do shows because uh one of my favorite artists john mayer i don't know if you're a fan of john mayer at all but he yeah, has this yeah. he has this thing about like how he can time it out perfectly and like hit the last note and then it's like five seconds left before like the I don't know what you call it, the curfew ends. And he calls him, he has him and his whole band are the curfew boys. Pretty funny. <laughs> he's a Kisa comic. You know, he sometimes he'll go up at the, uh, at the cellar, right. And, you know, just play around and stuff, but I'd love to see him. But he's a funny guy. Yeah. And kind of like in the stand up community a little bit. I'd, I'd love to see him uh, to do his thing. I know he had those controlled danger shows with Chappelle and, and everything. Now, talking about doing the most and doing the least. Yeah, have a guy like that who's like a, a he's a musical genius and he's really right. funny, but he he doesn't like bombard himself into the comedy world. He kind of like stays on like the outskirts and does his own thing. And it's right. And it works. Right. Exactly. So this is what you're talking about when people say on Instagram, oh, I'm an actor. I'm a voice. I'm a comedian. I'm a this. I'm a that. And it's right. like they, they don't really delve in deep into one thing. Yeah. Also know what your strengths are. Right. And, uh, you know, don't spread yourself too thin, but do what you're good at and do what you like doing. And hopefully, you know, you can find the, where that uh, kind of intersects. And yeah. then you're then you're uh, off to the races. Hopefully. I think <laughs> one, one of my favorite comics to watch is Maniscalco. And oh, I, me too. <laughs> maybe maybe he isn't like set up punchline, maybe isn't the best, but his ability to like just sell something like he sells you on the material. Yeah, so uh, it's funny you say that. Like, he's legitimately one of my favorites. And he, you're right. It's not like if you look at the writing, it's not going to, on the page, it's not always going to make you laugh. But right. the way that he, you're right, the way he sells it, I mean, the act outs are incredible. The guy's twinkle toes up there. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he's doing any of that. It's an act out every bit. But also the voices he does, the faces. And he's got the whole Italian-American thing. And he really hits that to a T. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm part Italian. I grew up in like a upstate New York in a town called Endicott where there was a, like a, there was a big Italian contingent. There. Nice. 
a lot of Italian. So he like really hits that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not Italian at all, but I just, I just appreciate a good comic like that. And I've honestly tried to do more act outs and be more theatrical with, with my, uh, onstage presence. And I think it's come across all right. I know it's, it's tough whenever, uh, you're in a mic with 10 comics. It's tough to fully go it's all out. It's tough to especially do it at a mic. It's tough to do it at a mic. You, if it, it's weird. You feel weird doing it at a mic and you feel like people are judging you. And there is something to like, oh, I'm just cool, laid back, telling jokes. I'm not like taking this too seriously. There's some of that aspect. So it's right. hard. It's hard to do act outs at mics. Um, but, you know, you got to, you got to do them. It adds to the, it adds to the performance and people mm. really like when you paint a picture and that's what Maniscalco does like he can pretty much say anything and he doesn't act out and people are losing their minds you know right I mean? right so um it is something that I I I didn't totally feel comfortable doing I'm just starting to do some of it on stage but you gotta I think you gotta change up the voices you gotta you know make facial expressions you gotta do act outs where you can when I first started out I wasn't even thinking in terms of where can I do an act out with this joke I'm just trying to write a good joke you yeah know? but I mean, you gotta it's all part of the process of getting better my i've been told like all this you know because i've been doing comedy since i was like 2021 20, but like you know with all this stuff going on that was my first experience in new york doing comedy i've done comedy in philly pittsburgh yeah. all these places but but up there it's like totally different and rinaldi and i'll name Joe. Yeah. i don't care if he if you think it's bad advice he was just telling me how no. how uh like being up there in New York, you have to be so much quicker with your jokes. Like you have to go joke, 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 as opposed to like, here's a joke. Here's a whole act out thing. Like he thinks it should be more like concise. Yeah. I think you could do both though. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it doesn't have to be an act out every bit like Maniscalco, mm-hmm. but you know, I do think like the jokes per minute or whatever, I think that is kind of like a New York thing, like set up punchline, get as many as you can in there. Right. But also mix it up a little bit with, you know, with some perform with some act outs, it, it does add to the bits and it adds like a little rhythm and flow to the performance. You know what I yeah. mean? And the there's fun- different there's different ways to be funny too. Like you know, like a Sam Morrill, he's he's like machine gun jokes. Right. He's one of my favorites, but it's just like one after another after another, and it's very impressive. And he he just he's not really physical at all. You know what I mean? It's just no. the jokes. Um, but then there's people who kind of do a mix, and so you just got to find what works for you. Morel killed me the other day. He put up this clip on his Instagram. It was a, like an animation clip of like some like white knight in Cleveland or something like oh, that. Yeah, did yeah, you yeah. see that? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are the those are the experiences that I feel like you only hear like comedians have. Comedians just have these crazy experiences because they perform at these weird bars and clubs and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a whole story about performing in Cleveland, and then he's meeting he meets some weird guy afterwards, and the, he's the, the guardian. He's like the watchful protector of yeah, Cleveland. He, he's like he's the guardian of uh, of Cleveland, self proclaimed. The you're talking about Maniscalco being Twinkle Toes. It's ironic you say that because <laughs> I have his book. I'm looking yeah. right at it, and um, and he said this I think in interviews before, and uh, somebody had asked him like in a comedy club like how do i become more animated on stage how do i yeah. become more theatrical all he tells him michael jackson munich <laughs> that's it he just says michael yeah. jackson munich and i've watched that michael jackson munich thing three times so michael it's this massive it's like a soccer soccer i don't know stadium and the uh-huh. massive stage out there and he's controlling 
the whole stage. Every part of it is being used by Michael, just dancing, selling the whole performance. Michael, you can basically tell after song three, he's not even singing at this point because like you can't (laughs) do all that singing and all that dancing, but he just sells the performance. Right. That's what it is. I mean, that's hilarious. I've never heard that quote, but you know, obviously that's what it, I mean, that's, I mean, in order to have a whole stadium captivated, you right. can't just imagine just like standing there telling jokes, you're not going to, <laughs> right. So you right. gotta, you gotta do more stuff. You gotta put on a show. Right. And I even, there was, um, I listened to Mark Norman's podcast where he talked about opening for Jerry. Oh, felt that. I don't know if you listened to this. It was, um, was that one of the theaters in the Upper West Side? Like the name is escaping me right now. But is it Beacon? You know, so, yeah, the Beacon. So it's a so it's a bigger theater, right? And yeah. He tells the story about you know he did the first set and it went well, but you know went good. But then like in between shows, Jerry was like, "You gotta command the stage more. You know, you gotta walk from side to side. You gotta be more performative. You know." And so he did that like the second show and he killed, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like just. You know, because sometimes when you're performing stand-up, you might be at a bar show or a club and you're sitting on a you're standing on a tiny stage. But when you're on a theater, you gotta yeah. you gotta do the Chris Walk rock, you know, walk back and forth. You know, you yeah. gotta crawl up there and take take over the space. Yeah, Michael Jackson Munich. Um <laughs> right, exactly. Man of Scalco, I mean, he he sold out uh MSG like six nights or something like that, and then he went and sold yeah. out the forum in LA. Crazy, man. But that's uh, exactly I, I like I joke around with some of my comic friends here. I'm like, the only way to, you know, sell out theaters and arenas is act outs. <laughs> and I am now adding more act outs to my act after hearing that. <laughs> I um it's so crazy, man, to to think that you know norman's opening up for seinfeld because you know it, to hear seinfeld say he was on a mets broadcast and they're like hey who's like a younger comic that you like yeah. and he's like i like this guy mark norman and, and like that's absolutely incredible i i actually listened to that podcast i think it was a tuesday's episode yeah uh, yeah and i don't li- i gotta be honest i don't listen to that show often but i did listen to that one and mark walking out there when he shouldn't have walked out there right, right. Whole, oh Oh, I got second. I think there was something with like there. You didn't give him a light or was giving him no light or something. So we kind of had to estimate the time he was on stage and maybe left a little early and it was too early. So we went back. And that's just one of those things. Like, I feel like you should just just give a light. Let him know how much time. That's true. That's true. Like, I don't understand why there has to be that sort of like you should know what 15 minutes is or whatever. Because Oh, really? Is that is that is that I think that's kind of what it what it was. But uh you know, I don't know the whole story, but, you know, like to me, it's like that seems sort of a weird thing that uh, Jerry was controlling where you could just give a comic a light and then he knows when. To yeah, get off. I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you there. Got to have the light. Got to have the light. And you can be like me and run it. And it'll be a, it'll be a great uh, show for everybody. The the cool guy aspect of this whole seems to be an underlying theme. And the irony of being a cool guy is that the people who are cool don't try to be cool that's that's it so they're doing less they're not trying to be cool they just are cool exactly so how are you like and i I hate to completely switch gears here but the whole do less podcast i listened to a couple episodes and you had this one segment where you're talking about trying to be a cool guy on dating apps can you tell me some of your maybe lines or some of your techniques to being a cool guy on a dating app 
Well, I don't know if I ha- I don't have any to be a cool guy because I am not a cool guy on the dating apps. But I feel like I'm a pretty cool guy in life in general. But okay. when it comes to things like you really want or get excited about, sometimes you're not so cool, right? Right. <laughs> so I think the story I was telling on um, the podcast was, you know, when you get a match you're excited about or you really are interested in a girl or whatever and like you, you maybe you have a little bit of a back and forth but then they go silent and then you try yeah. to like pull to the top again with another message never works oh you know I, mean? I might actually have to pull up my hinge right now i gotta pull up my hinge right now so, sometimes i'll try like uh you know like make a joke about it like you know like i miss our conversations or like you know you're right let's just skip the small talk and go grab a drink right and that's like I don't think it's ever worked, but like, I feel like it's a good strategy. (laughs) So here's me trying to be a cool guy. This, this girl, she's really cute. Um, apparently she has a a really good job and that's what it's all about because I'm the artist and she's the breadwinner. Right. right? And, um, she said her, I love hinge. Are you on hinge at all? I'm on hinge. Yeah. It's the best one. Yeah. It's the best one because we get to actually talk and that's what we're good at as comics. We can say words. Um, her she used one of those what is it uh prompts yeah and it said what i order for the table she said spinach artichoke, artichoke dip and i mm-hmm. said here was my like like or response or whatever i said solid choice but hear me out on this one next time you go to a breakfast spot order pancakes for the table thoughts and she goes you're an absolute genius sir and i said you know i have heard that before probably because i'm full of great ideas yeah setting it up great. For, this is unbelievable setting yeah. it up for her yeah. i i've laid it up for her to dunk it and she goes any more great ideas oh well this is a layup (laughs) and i said i have a couple in mind how about we trade numbers get to know each other a bit then you let me take you out sometime i love it never never heard back i have listen man i have a million stories that are exactly the same where you have a nice back and forth you're joking around yeah because i'll do the same thing there's a prompt and you, you respond with something witty you have a nice back and forth then you ask for a date, never hear from them. And I don't know what it is. I think it's like easy. It's like, there's a couple things here are my theories, right? It's like, it's a good idea to go on a date with a stranger until you actually have to do it, right? Because then then you feel weird. Um, That's like, fair. Well, this person at all, whatever. The other one is like, it's just easy to dismiss a digital person, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. So, and there's no, so you can't take it personally. It's just like, this. I was planning my wedding with this woman, Mike. Well, I know. Like, listen, I, I, listen, I've been there. I think we're, you know, two peas in a pod here (laughs) (laughs) with with all this, but uh, that's just what it is. And I've talked to my friends about it. You can't take it personally. It happens to everybody. And that's just the nature of it. It's weird. It's weird. I don't get it, but uh, it's all part of it. It's heartbreaking. And uh, I was planning our lives together and we were going to yeah. have this have this gorgeous life where she earned all the money and I just joked around all day and it was going to be great. Listen, that's exactly what I'm looking for. You know, we got to have breadwinners. Yeah. And then we're supposed to be stay at home husbands slash comics. That's yeah. it, man. Yeah. But it, it, you're right, though. It is easy to dismiss digital people. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole idea of the app is dismissing. I and I'm really picky. I assume you're a really picky guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you dismiss like 80% of the people on there. Yeah, of course. Like yeah, I am yeah. looking, I'm not looking to like someone, I'm looking for a reason to not like someone on there. Yeah, I'm the I'm the same way. Yeah, I think we're you know, I'm getting to know you a little bit more. I think we're pretty similar here. <laughs> exactly. 
but uh yeah i mean that that's the thing you gotta also think like an attractive girl right she has so many i know like it's just like flooded with like hundreds if not thousands of (laughs) you know likes you know what i mean it's just anytime they swipe right on a guy it's a match of course Uh, yeah they've never not swiped right and have it not and got a match yeah yeah so how do i stand out by not liking them (laughs) <laughs> right yeah not like them and then they chase you, you know? yeah. but here's the thing is like in, in the in the mindset of do less you got to have less expectations because i've fallen down this trap where i'm like i'll even go on a date or two and it's going great and i'm projecting oh you know this is we're going to be together forever you know what i mean <laughs> and uh <laughs> like she's the love of my life and then it just ends you know what i mean like no kind of rhyme or reason yeah and uh you know, that happens. So you got to just go into it. With a, you got to, unfortunately, you got to keep a little bit of your guard up and be like, this can end at any moment. I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts. Hopefully it lasts longer. Right. But, you know, you got to, you got to keep up with the possibility that it could just flip. Dude. I have not like, cause I'm back in West Virginia hiding out in the woods. Yeah. I have not went on a formal date in so long. I don't even know what I'm going to be doing next time. Like I'm on a date with somebody. I'm going to be scrambling for ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just, you just got to ask them questions, you know, to keep deflecting, let them talk. And uh, listen, I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. It's not working out for me. So, you know, no, but I, I think you're onto something there though, because people love to talk about themselves. Yeah. So they just do keep asking questions. That's why people love therapy is because they, you just talk about yourself. Oh my then, gosh. I'm in therapy then, right now. Yeah, me too. And the therapist, you know, if you even ask about their lives, they just deflect and bring it back to you. You know, it's a great thing. The funny thing is, I was in therapy for like crippling anxiety and stuff like that. And, yep. and hypochondria and stuff like that, beat it, dunked on it, moved on. Right. And, yeah. uh, it was like stress of moving back in with my parents. I had heartbreak. I had this yep. and that. And, you know, I, I've beaten all that stuff and I'm telling him all my thoughts and ideas and this and that he essentially said, I've never been wrong about any of my thoughts or why things are the way that they are, which does not help. Yeah. Because now we're developing an ego issue. Right, right. And it's all one big ride. Oh, you have an ego issue? Go to therapy. <laughs> so you've never been wrong. What is what does that mean? It's it's not that I've like never been wrong about anything, but like I'll tell him, hey, this is why I'm having an anxiety attack. Here's what it is. I just don't know how to stop it. And right. it's and I said, like, my issues stem from X, Y, and Z and uh and it's a whole combination of every problem that I've had in the past year as to why right. I'm here now. So that's like, I know what was causing my problems, which is why I said I've never been wrong. And right. uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right about everything, you know? <laughs> well, you're, you know, you're self-aware of, uh, you know, what caused the anxiety and everything. And that, you know, that helps you identify your problems and yeah. tackle them. Well, it's great to hear you've made a lot of progress. It never ends. It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. I know. And I'm trying to get out of there. Like I was asking him a couple weeks ago, I was like, realistically, how many more meetings do you think I have? And he goes, yeah. oh, I'd say two, three more. Is it always two, three more? No. Well, you know, for me, so I, I specifically started going because I have OCD. Um, and like, I was like, got to a point when I was just like taking over my life. You know, about what it. things are you particular about? So my, my biggest theme is like, I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of death to myself or afraid of death to my family or loved ones. You know we might I mean? be the same person. Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> death is my so, biggest fear. Death is my biggest fear. So I would, yeah, of course. So it's, uh, 
you know, so I do it, I would do a lot of rituals, like trying to prevent death from happening, you know, how crazy it sounds, but like, you, you know, whatever, whatever shirt I would wear or like just count it, you know, doing things a certain number of times. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what I mean? All superstitions, all yeah. rituals. I'm not Catholic, but I would bless myself before I went to bed. Right. You know, stuff what like is that? that? Yeah, right. Exactly. So you're trying to you're trying to find a way to control things that you can't. Oh, control. my gosh. Oh. So, <laughs> so I, um, you know, I, I was in therapy. I still still am. But I, I started doing it uh, because of that, um, you know, diagnosed within nanoseconds of, of being there that I have clinical OCD. And then I worked on skills and ways to, you know, expose myself to the risks and just accept that that, that life is uncertain. Yeah. Right. It, actually, in the past year, right when kind of around the pandemic started, uh, I started taking medication for the first time. And I'll be nice. honest with you, it's been a godsend. Like I didn't, I can't even imagine. I couldn't imagine life being this good. Uh, wow, I avoided medication the, in terms of the OCD. You know, it's very much under control now. Like I was going from ritualizing hours a day to now, you know, five ten minutes. Oh, okay. You know? That's good. So like, it's not completely gone. And I, so that, that was kind of the point I was going to make is when I first went in, I was like, I want to get rid, I want to get rid of this for my life. I want to be free from it forever. Like, I just want to go in and, and get it done. Kind of what you're saying. Yeah. But, to, but what I learned very quickly is like, it's going to be part of me and it's something I'm going to live with and I'm going to manage on a day-to-day basis, but now I'm managing like the best I ever have. And it's, yeah, man, it's like a small part of my life when before it was like, overtaking my life so yeah. and just like accepting that like it's always going to be there and it's an ongoing process and it's going to ebb and flow um i think can can benefit you yeah uh, you know so the biggest thing for me and and death and not to get too serious it's the absoluteness of it all of course yeah and no one like we have ideas my father's a pastor we have ideas and we have hopes and dreams that it'll be something but we right. don't truly know until we get there and just the uncertainty coupled with the absoluteness that it's forever that like would wear on me. Like I would stay up at night, just terrified. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, it's a finality of it all. Right. And it's just like, you don't, it's really sad to think about. And it's just, <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't know what's going to happen. You like to think that, like you said, that there's an afterlife, but then you're like, you, you start to think, you know, maybe that's really illogical to think that way. And it's probably just lights out and, you know, you have all those, those thoughts. Lights out makes sense because like, there's this whole thing that's like, Hey, do you remember what it was like before you lived? No. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So logically I'm like, that makes sense to me. But I, just I like love- to have like a belief deep down, you know, that there's something after, but I really, I really don't. I just love life so much. And I love like, yeah. getting up every day and like being at like feel my feet hit the ground and and i i've been working on the reciprocity of gratitude and being thankful yeah. for like everything because i was a very negative person for a long yeah. time and uh like now i go outside and i'm thankful that the sun rose and like i'm thankful that the grass is there and to like feel that really weird stuff but i'm thankful for it and it's just like now i love living so much that yeah. uh i'm just like oh my gosh i you know I can't yeah, imagine. You want to take advantage of it the most you can. Yeah. I mean, but that's a great philosophy to have now that you can, you know, appreciate the little things. And, you know, that's the whole thing is like I've, you know, being in stand up too is like we're kind of like seeking being in the moment, right? Like yeah. on stage, we're not thinking about anything else, right? You don't, you're just kind of in that moment of doing stand up. And so you kind of like continually seek that feeling. 
Um, but you know, not to get too corny and whatever, but like, that's what life is all about. You don't really, you know, can't change the past. You don't know what the future is. You got to enjoy the present moment. Yeah. And you can buy mics, get help soon. Uh, <laughs> I'm whatever. just, listen, I'm just repackaging everything that, you know, therapy has taught me that philosophers have said, I'm repackaging it. This is not original thought no. here. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that you're talking about in, um, in, in an episode of do less was the morale booster and yeah. and how you don't even necessarily have to be great at your job you just have to be a good person to be around and you're safe that's that's key that is key again it sort of co- goes along with that coolness factor don't yeah. try to be cool just be cool but if you're good nice fun to be around maybe you crack some jokes you boost the morale you're an essential part of the team all right you don't have to be the the smartest or you know, the best at Excel or the best salesman or whatever, you're, you're an essential part of the team. If you're, if you're fun to be around. And I, I worked in the sports uh, business world for eight, nine years. And oh, wow. uh, I, uh, my job got cut during COVID and I had a client reach out to me. Uh, well, the business is probably the nicest note I received that he was like, um, you know, the more I've been in the business, the more I realized like, you want to work with people that you like being around. Yeah. You are one of those people. Man. So, you know, that, that like meant the world to me just to like, but that's, but I, again, like you want to be that person. That's, that's, that's fun. You got to have that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I did the same thing when I was in the sports game. Uh, I was like, you know, the, the job that I was had with professional baseball scouting was a lot of video stuff, a lot of data analytics, uh, stats and stuff like that and i'm like yeah. i'm an idiot so like obviously i can't like do the calculations or anything and like um i'd say my baseball knowledge was solid but like i think like lack of effort was probably an issue because yeah, yeah. baseball same thing every day and like i'd say through spring training i'd say once the all-star break hit like after that all-star break i was phoning it in big time but <laughs> I, I was such like a joy to be around i'd like you know walk around the right. office hey what's up tommy what's up billy how are you yeah, doing? Yeah. How's this, that? Let's all hang out after. Let's all go here and get a drink or whatever. And like, they loved me. I was the office funny guy. And uh, right. so September rolls around. Some people have to leave for various reasons. And there's these things called like September call-ups for actual baseball. But uh-huh. uh, for for us and, and our job was like, will you get extended to do these games? And like, it honestly took to like, <laughs> like August 30th for them to like send me the offer and be like, all right you're coming here for one extra month i really think i really think it was just because i was uh fun to be around right that's great that's a cool experience uh being a baseball scout that's pretty cool uh, yeah my name's in a book uh i have a lot of friends that still you, work what can you say what team it was for i worked for an agency so like okay most of the big league teams used uh the scouting agency i work with okay all right nice, nice. That's but great. my name's in a book uh yeah yeah I don't, it's the what, same thing with uh, my co-host of the Duelist podcast, Jake. He works at a real estate company, does commercial real estate. And he was like, he dropped out of college his freshman year because like this, he's like, I met these guys that work at this company and they're like the smartest people I've ever met. And he's like, I'm a tie myself to these wow. guys, you know, and uh, he's jump. successful in, in his own right. But he's like, you know, I've been I'm the office cool guy. I'm fun to be around, you, you know, he does a good job, but like, you know, he's, he's fun fun guy to have on the team you know fun yeah. guy to be around i'm a locker room guy i'm yeah, a locker room guy. gotta be a locker room guy <laughs> i'm not gonna wow you i'll be the 13th man off the bench i'll wave the towel right. you know right exactly did you study sports market or sports management at your college uh, 
but just you know business i was actually american american studies and yeah business yeah american studies that sounds cool that was cool so it's basically like a, a mix of like politics and history and yeah yeah just all, all it was a lot of writing papers but all about american history which yeah cool. i study multidisciplinary studies and now i'm unemployed yeah well that you know here's the thing though is i, I don't, don't like how we get uh pigeonholed really on majors you know what i mean because it feels like I, I i like companies that have an open mind of like you know let's just hire a smart person because you can learn any job on the job that's you true I mean? and so like if i ran a company that's what i would do because uh, yeah you know you don't know what, first of all picking a major when you're 17 18 what right. you know like you don't know what you want to do the rest of your life and then you feel like you get on a track and you're down that path and you you don't feel like you can break off from it i would encourage people to try to break off from it if they want to and uh employers to facilitate that happening but uh you know absolutely i changed yeah. i changed my major when i when i got there you know i, I was a you know 18 year old kid who liked athletics and you see sports in a major you're like oh i'll do that and then i got there and exactly I like, and i was like oh i'm definitely not doing that and then uh and then i changed it to oh i want to be like this hard-hitting journalists and ask these really intriguing intriguing questions to top people and it's like i oh, don't want to do that so then yeah. i i was like okay well now i just need to graduate i've taken all these classes so uh i did like multidisciplinary studies yeah uh which is three minors rolled into one major so i did communications because i already had that one completed public mm -hmm. relations and entertainment media and that kind of combined all my interests like i love entertainment yeah, right. and i love talking to people uh and my first job out of college was in baseball it's so weird how it all works yeah, I mean, and you got, yeah, I think that's the thing, man, is you got a degree, you did some things you're interested in, you know, you, listen, you're, you're a fun guy, fun guy to be around, you're a smart guy, you, you can do what you want to do, you know, comedy's that thing, you know, just got to keep going on that path. That's right, man, we're, we're locker room guys. <laughs> we're gonna be locker room guys hopefully that works out in comedy there's not really a locker room i guess there's a green room but the green um, the green room guys the good hang guys i don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if that it's sells though, to be a good hang. you do want to be a good hang and um yeah. not to you know obviously i'm not going to name names but like you know i got up there and i got to meet some of these people that i had yeah. maybe seen online or maybe like had never even like met before and a lot of every, most people were really cool but there was a couple people that were like honestly were like you could tell they were like homeschool kids like they just right. didn't know how to like communicate yeah there's uh there's certainly an aspect of that like there are a lot of comedians who have a lot of social anxiety or just like can't even like the only place that can function is on stage yeah know? it's and so crazy stage. though yeah and like you know so in some in some maybe you're just standoffish you know you get all personalities but uh yeah i mean that's the that's the crazy thing is you know, you're going to, you're going to encounter people like that in comedy, but yeah, you want to be a cool hang. You want to be a fun hang, you know, but that's what makes it fun. This is whole, this whole thing is supposed to be fun. It's fun. Right? Your job is like laughing and being goofy. Right. So when me and Max book shows, we book people that we think are funny and that we like, Yeah. you know, so, cause we want to hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, Hey, I mean, you know, I'll be back up in the city. We'll, uh, we'll get on. Yeah, we'll, hang. We'll, hang. <laughs> we'll hang. We'll be locker room guys. You mean Max, Max is good. Hang too, man. Really funny guy. Uh, yeah. he, uh, was on my show not that long ago. And I think we talked about, I think, I don't know if we talked about rom-coms or not, but, uh, I know that's one thing that you and I have a shared interest in is, is rom-coms, right? Absolutely. Yes. So guy. we were talking about how you wanted to be a, what was the term of something professor? Oh yeah. So an adjunct professor. So right. that again, like that's, 
that's do less because you're not a full-time professor. You know, exactly. in order to accomplish your dreams, you got to keep them realistic, right? That's the one's one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So an adjunct, I would like to be like sort of an expert. You know, if I'm a comedian, if I'm a successful comic someday, I would like to be recognized for that and be like, hey, come teach a, like a comedy course or a class on rom-coms because I'm an expert on rom-coms. You know right. what I mean? So I'll come in, I'll be an adjunct professor at NYU. Um, and, you know, maybe it's affiliated with the university. Maybe it's not. Maybe I just run it across the street, uh, yeah. you know, at a coffee shop, you know, yeah. but it'll be near campus. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the funny thing, so, yeah, the funny no, thing think, I'm seeing here, yeah. though, is like you and I both love rom-coms. And then we're also talking about like how unlucky we are with like the dating recently. I think that might be. Are we building? Are we building? Romantics, man. You were, we're hopeless romantics and we we have too many expectations and we fast forward the relationship too far in advance before it's even anything. So um, that's why we got to do less, keep our expectations lower. We got to be less eager and we got to flip the tables. Even if you're so interested in the person, you got to, you got to maintain some control. It's like golf, do the opposite of what feels natural and you'll do well. (laughs) Right. Exactly. This is crazy, uh, man. So yeah. give me, you got a, you got like at least a top three or a top five rom-com list. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll tell you some of my favorites, right. I mean, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Okay. Yep. I'll stop you there. I love that one. <laughs> Classic. Absolutely love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, uh, McConaughey and uh, Kate Hudson, that's a phenomenal one. Um, you know, I do have a, I did do an IGTV series for a while where I would review some rom-coms. So mm-hmm. I got some of my favorites on there um some of the more recent ones let's see oh i mean when harry met sally's classic i mean that's oh yes oh yeah. i feel like you gotta watch that before you watch any other any it, other one it is the og absolutely right. and i can't believe this from 80s entertainment they tried to make billy crystal like a sex icon right and gary goldman has a good bit about this where he's like well meg ryan you know at her Meg Ryanist, she's really going to be into Billy Crystal, who's like a five foot four yeah. bald Jewish guy. You know? He's like, hey, you hear about the Yankees? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> right. But the, you know what Billy Crystal had? And uh, he had confidence. And that's that's everything. That's true. I yeah. love I actually need to watch that movie again because I love Billy Crystal, man. It, He's all awesome. foundational. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I also have a bit where it's like, you know, the central question of that is, uh, you, you know, can men and women just be platonic friends? And it's like, yeah, of course, but not if one of those people is A-list actress Meg Ryan. You know? so, <laughs> you'd have ulterior motives, I think. Right. Um, one so of my top another, ones. One of my top ones is yeah. Pretty Woman. I love Pretty Woman. Love That's Pretty great. Woman, and it is the it is the PG version of American Psycho. Right. Right. Because <laughs> right. this rich businessman takes the trick, takes this sex worker off the street, and just locks her in a room and like wines and dines her and dresses her up nicely and doesn't let her say or do certain things it's american psycho that's american psycho i mean that's a psychotic thing to do right <laughs> it's a- and like there's like that no kissing rule or something like that what like what even is that we can have sex but we can't kiss very I weird like that movie uh julia roberts she 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 has some similarities and looks to my mom so that's why julia roberts movies i i well, now I'm going to hold off. Now I'm going to hold off on what I was going to say. Now I got to no, hold not, off. It's not like exact, but I could, people have said she looks like her a Because bit. she descended from heaven to make that movie because she's an angel. I love Julie Roberts. <laughs> There's some similarities. There's some similarities. But uh, yeah, what other, I mean, some of the recent ones I've liked, they're a little, a little bit 
I mean, the breakup is is, is great. Phenomenal. I don't like how they break up at the end of it, you know, but it's hilarious. Do you think they get back together, though? I think they probably do, you know, in the future. But I that that last scene where they see each other like a couple years later. Yeah. And it's so indicative of like, oh, you had a long-term relationship with somebody and then you run into them on the street and it's a little bit awkward. And it's like, we live together at some point. Why are you acting like you don't know me? You know? <laughs> She's like, Brad? Yeah. Like, oh, Brad? <laughs> right. <laughs> That, so, but like that is that's what happens in in real life which is just a very weird thing because obviously you don't really know how to act but like i did it's like put a pit in my stomach you know what i mean i hope they got back together but <laughs> Dude, well i should have come more prepared for this episode because had i known you were as this into rom-coms i would have done something where you and i could have just created a rom-com where we like we would say all right these are the leads here's a couple of the side characters and here's the plot go and then like yeah. we could have done that but I'll tell you a few other quick ones. Crazy Stupid Love, phenomenal movie. Okay. Ryan Gosling. Uh, no Strings Attached and Friends of Benefits, basically the same movie. That's the same movie, yeah. Very enjoyable. You know, they're not the best movies in the world, but I put, put them in and they're fun and they end up together and we walk away happy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Now, that streak that McConaughey was on and talking about the professor who isn't a professor and talking about right. rom-coms, and uh, I'm a big fan of McConaughey. I have I also have his book right over here. Um, yeah, I was I was been meaning to get that. Uh, it's good stuff because it's a yeah. collection of like lists, poems, and stories. It's a really unique, you know, book. Big fan. So check it out. Yeah, no, I, I, I like his whole vibe. Uh, I joke around with my friend uh, Ben Kirschenbaum, another great uh, comic. McConaughey said one of his pieces of advice is break a sweat every day yes and i that's in my mind every day i do that i do that most days or try to do it most days but he's in my head tell me to break a sweat until i do i'm not satisfying mcconaughey's advice <laughs> i do it because my anxiety just makes me sweat so i do sweat every day every <laughs> um i actually his little if you want to call it philosophy i'm pulling yeah. it up right here he uh had the I was in college sputtering around trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, uh, he delivered this commencement speech at Houston and I, I watched, I watched some of this. The third is called the 13th truths. And yeah. there for like throughout the rest of like my college years, I would work out and I would run really long distances and like have yeah. this 13th truths playing in my mind and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I'll great. read, read off a couple here. Um, Turn the page. So that's a good one. So it's just like move on with like bad things to your life. Uh, happiness is different than joy. So us as comics, I tell people this all the time that we have to pursue our joy, which is uh, making people laugh. But happiness is like a get rich quick scheme and yeah. joy. So we have to find joy in the process of doing the work. So let's find joy right. in the process of, of writing material, find joy in the process of doing a mic in front of seven comics or right. a room of 12 people that all speak different languages. So I enjoy in that. So that way, when we do really well, we just get more out of it. Right, exactly. And uh, a couple more here. Define success for yourself and don't leave crumbs. Oh, I love don't leave crumbs. So don't leave crumbs essentially is like, don't choose anything that'll jeopardize your soul. Don't be an idiot, you know? Right, yeah. Don't leave I, crumbs. You know, I actually watched this the, uh, the other day. I watched most of it, but uh, I'm thinking they're all great pieces of life advice. And uh, so he's just one of these guys that's... Uh, you know, yeah, I was also watching another interview with him, which is kind of a one to do less thing. Uh, it was with Larry King, and okay. um, he was like, "When it, he's like, when you watch yourself on screen, what do you look for?" He's like, "Well, I don't want to see myself acting. 
and he's like Larry King's like well you're acting aren't you aren't you acting he's like you gotta be yeah but you're acting but you don't want to be acting like you just want to be natural you know you don't want to be putting it on you don't want to be doing too much you just want to be natural on screen like it's everyday life you know you want to be McConaughey right (laughs) so um you know I, I really like his vibe I think he's got a lot of great advice I would watch that commencement speech. You'll you'll feel very inspired afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, There's one yeah. version that has like really good like a Hans Zimmer score behind it. It's good stuff. So <laughs> check it out. But his run of rom coms. What, what do we got? So we got uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. We have Ghost of Girlfriends Past. Wedding Planner. Wedding Planner. Uh, Fool's Gold. Yeah. Failure and to launch. I love Failure to Launch. Um, yeah. A couple more, but and then he took. He's and so here's the whole story, and I'm sure you know it because you're a big McConaughey fan. And I feel like you and I are the same person. When we like someone, <laughs> we have to know everything about them. Yeah, so I yeah, could tell definitely. you, like, I could tell you all about his parents and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, um, so he took a couple of those years off, and they actually offered him, like, they kept coming back with bigger and bigger right. offers to do another rom com. And he's like, no, 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 I want to do more artsy stuff. And then he comes out, and he's just like. Boom, here's uh, uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Boom, right. here's True Detective. Boom, here's Interstellar. And it's just like, oh my God, like he had yeah, real so, talent. So again, he kind of like broke off from that path that was defined for him. Like he's the rom-com guy, right? right. But he, he wanted to do more. I mean, he wants to, he wanted to do drama and he wanted to do some other stuff, right? Because he had done, he had done the rom-com thing. He wants to do another thing to keep it interesting and challenge yeah. himself and seek that next thing, right? So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it was a risky move to not, you know, turn down a lot of money and try to do something completely different. Because uh, again, he was getting pigeonholed as the rom-com guy, but he's like, nah, I can do more than that. You know? Yeah. And, but he did more by doing less because he took the years <laughs> off right. and, he, and he did less work. And then he's like doing exactly. more. It's so crazy how it all comes full circle. Cause everything he did like, is all do less. Yeah. It's all, he do did less. like a killer Joe and Bernie yeah. and uh, a couple other ones. And then started really doing the, the, the big ones that we were talking about. Have you seen true detective? I've seen your true detective. Okay. Um, right. His, I mean, his philosophical character there, rust Cole. I mean, his, yeah, uh, very philosophical, a uh, very no nihilist, no list. I don't know. Yeah. Very nihilist. Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing matters. It's all just, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's really all we will like human consciousness is something that's what should have been never given to us. And we're all, yeah. you know, like, I, that, it kind of scares me a little yeah, bit. It's, it's a little, it's, it's a little, it's too dark. <laughs> it's interesting to hear. And it's a good dialogue for a TV show. Cause it's such a good character dynamic, but like right. people will sometimes take that as life advice. You'll read articles or, or, or like weird posts on the internet. And I'm just like, Dude, just like, don't base your life off of TV characters. That's doing the most. That's doing too much. That's doing too much. Enjoy it for what it is. Because at the end of that, yeah. like, season, he ends up being like, hey, you know, like, now the light's starting to win. Like, yeah, okay, he's, maybe he we... actually flips, right? Yeah. Where he's like, yeah, it's, um, he has a more positive spin on everything, right? Yeah. Do you have a, so rom coms aside, do you have a favorite McConaughey film? Um, other than the rom-coms um, other than the rom-coms you know i just watched interstellar the other day that was for the first phenomenal. time for the first time yeah. oh wow you know i've always looked at it and i was like oh it's three hours long or whatever and then i don't want to watch it then i watch you know a season of new girl so yeah I, mean, <laughs> I just watched it to begin with but uh i i really like that one um man i mean so you need it other. you need to have that you need to like now that you've seen it yeah you know you might need to watch a couple of like 
What really happened? Videos on YouTube? I did. I did. When Neil deGrasse Tyson. It was a bit yeah. confusing. Yeah. But they, well, Christopher Nolan and his movies where he has these weird timelines, it's it's all one big thing. But uh, so so you need to have like yourself a night, maybe like dim the lights a little bit. Maybe <laughs> ha- I don't know if you if you drink at all or anything, maybe yeah. don't don't get hammered, but have like one or two and, yeah. and just lock in to this to this wild ride that is interstellar and then try not to cry uh, whenever he like sees the fact that he's like going through years and years and years and his family is getting older but he's staying the same age like it's tough man yeah. try not that's to cry people, that's uh days to confuse they should pull the line from days that's confused. true <laughs> <laughs> oh they get older and stay the same age that's funny that's funny maybe that was the beginning of uh interstellar story <laughs> who knows man my um, favorite mcconaughey gotta be uh i'm looking at i have a poster yeah. but we are marshall because that was oh, shot, that's great yeah. that was shot in west virginia that's where i'm at yeah. and that's where my whole reconnaissance you yeah. know that's great yeah that, that, that's a great film um i don't think i've ever seen dallas buyers club which i know he won the oscar for love that one yeah yeah um yeah he's fun i'm a big fan now fan. however he's made a lot of bad ones and i watched uh serenity horrible i yeah. watched uh what's the one beach bum it was pretty it was a bummer but here's the thing is like you know not everything's gonna be perfect right it's like you know it's like anything with stand-up not all your jokes are going to hit yeah you know but people are going to remember you for the for the marquee ones but he said like he's got these movies that he says in the can meaning a good thing he says i got these good movies in the can that i've done now i can just do ones that i want to do well well yeah so maybe he that's another do less philosophy that we have do do if you do a lot in order to uh eventually do what you want to do do less of it but just do uh in order to set yourself up for the future we're okay with that right uh putting all the work stand up now and hopefully you're stand up later exactly and speaking of stand up we have to get into this uh we'll close with this we got a few minutes here we have to talk about your 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 you know comedy career how the how it all started and everything man like what's your background when did you start all this stuff yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm probably going on three and a half years now. So in the grand scheme of things, I'm still early on. Uh, but I was yeah, always three and a half in New York time, though. Three and a half New York time. So three and a half going really, really hard at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like, good stuff. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting a lot of reps. And I feel like I made decent progress in three and a half years, but you know, still a long way to go. But um, so it was one of those things where I was always a fan of it and I always wanted to be kind of in the comedy world, creating content. And for a couple of years, I was, you know, trying my hand at writing some scripts, writing a couple of pilots, you know, just like yeah. in my spare time, yeah. doing that sort of thing, took a couple of screenwriting classes, you know, so I was always interested in that type of stuff. And I always felt like I was a funny person that could write and create funny content. And I would make my friends laugh and everything. I never necessarily thought of myself as a performer, performer, right? but um you know, then, you know, three, three and a half years ago now, I just went to an open mic. I'm like, oh, I'll see what, it, I'll check it out. See what's for a couple of years. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this, going to do this. And I, I never did it. And then, right. then I finally, you know, got up the courage to go to a 10 one and I saw people do it. And I was like, I can give this a shot. Right. Nice. So then, um, you know, week or so later, I mean, I had a whole act written out like word for word. I recited it over. Oh and yeah. Over. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, so I get up there and I got a couple chuckle, a couple laughs and it was like, okay, now I got the, I got the book. You know, nice. Just, 
just kept going, you know, haven't looked back. So, um, yeah. And I feel like I've progressively gotten better and, you know, you hope that's the case. I hope I'm better than I was a month ago or six yeah, months ago or absolutely, a year ago. And, um, it's all with, it's all with reps and getting more confident and get more stage time. Yeah. And that, that's truly it. Like I said, I've been doing standup since I was like 20, 21 and I'm, 25 now but i'm yeah like you combined all those years where i'm doing weird spots at hole in the wall bars in west virginia or or pittsburgh or philly when i have time doing baseball stuff that equates to probably like one one and a half years in new york time so it's like even though i have quote unquote five years where i write jokes right i don't have the stage time to to you know fully go at it and it's it's crazy how it all works out like yeah. I mean, I, those are the two things you got to do, right? You got to keep writing and you got to perform the jokes. So, yeah. uh, if, you know, and that's how you build the material, right? And the only way to do that is to get as much stage time as you possibly can and keep writing in, in the process and, you know, try to use the mics and the shows effectively too. Yeah. But here's the other thing is you can't, if you got some good stuff, you got a good five or good 10 or whatever, you know, all right, bank that and then try some new stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely. Absolutely. You, know, you got to take some risks or you're not going to build. When everybody, when they're starting out, sort of does impressions of comics they admire. Who were the comics that you admired that you were almost subconsciously yeah. doing impressions of? I think that's true. I mean, yeah, I think you pull from people that you that you like, right? I mean, my favorite comic, uh, Gary Goleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just, I love just the the wordplay, the vocabulary, the the cleverness of the jokes. He's one of my favorites. I think, uh, you know, a little bit of Seinfeld. I mean, I like the observational humor. Right. Um, you know, I always, I was always a big fan of his and pointing those things out. Larry David, I know he's not a stand-up, but he's like my comedic idol. You uh, know I, I love mean? LD, love LD. <laughs> so like, you know, those are kind of like my inspirations. I mean, um, again, like Judd Apatow, I know he's kind of a stand-up, but like he's just like the kind of the content that he has of like a mix of, uh, emotional and funny stuff like right. those, those are kind of like the vibes that, the dramedy that, yeah 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 that I have on on stage so you know I'm pulling from people that are not just stand-ups but uh you know like just kind of like the they have the same uh humor as me the same right yeah. yeah no man inspiration can come from many forms it doesn't have to be from from yeah. just solely stand-ups I mean like one of my favorite inspirations as an entertainer is Dean Martin and he didn't do set yeah. up punchline but even though he was kind of a, a comic for his time he, he didn't really do set up punchline. Right. No, exactly. I mean, that, and that's the other thing too, is there's a lot of different ways to be funny, you know? Yeah. So like we said, you know, you can be more performative, you can be more joke teller. Yeah. Play a character. I mean, impressions, like there's a whole, there's a whole <laughs> different, that's what makes comedy so great though. And then you're putting together a show or you go to a show. It's almost like jazz where you got all sorts of different you know tones and yeah. different things at you and that's a that's a fun show i think it's kind of funny that it, it it all comes full circle here because you you talk about how much you love larry david i too also love larry david but yeah. like that is a guy who who has epitomized you know where i'm going here yeah yeah he has epitomized doing less right exactly he doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do right? at all Right. Like he doesn't want to take a tour of the house at Susie's. You know, he doesn't want to go to a dinner party. He doesn't want to go to. He's, he's just, just no, like, no. yeah. Why would I but, no. So his and his that's what he says. I'm sure, he, as you know, like he in said interviews and stuff, he's like that character on that show is my idol. That's how I wish I could live. 
um, you know, obviously, you know, he's not as uh, mean or as like, he will do those things in real life. Right. right. Like he will go to the dinner party he doesn't want to go to, or he will do this when he doesn't really want to. But like, that would be like his hero is to somebody to be like, no, this is stupid. I don't want to do it. Just right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, man, because, you know, he would do Seinfeld every year and every year he'd hope, I hope we get canceled so we don't have to work anymore. It's like, <laughs> And, and the, he's, a, he's a do less icon and we've talked about we haven't done it yet but we gotta do a whole larry david episode because me and jake again that's uh he's both our our idols like, yeah we're, that's that's who isn't it true that like larry part. larry did stand up a couple times and just like berated the audience he did so there was a couple times and there was a couple times uh where he got on stage and he looked at the audience and he was he just left because he was because <laughs> he, <laughs> he knew it wasn't good gonna go well <laughs> i mean the he just like looked at, face, looked at their faces didn't like the vibe and left and so like that's just that's unbelievable that's, i like that's it man. <laughs> did he did he write for snl he did and that the, the, the funny story about in seinfeld when like george quits his job and yeah. goes back and pretends like he didn't quit that actually happened on snl where they weren't taking any of his sketches so he quit and then he showed up the next week on monday or whatever just pretending like it didn't happen like doesn't happen <laughs> dude i uh they're shooting or they're like wrapping up or something like that uh curb right now for the yeah. for the new season or something like that richard uh lewis right yep. love richard lewis um i think he's gonna only gonna be in one episode which is a bummer because i love his and his uh and larry's interactions Oh, it's great. And he, I think that's what, how they interact with each other in real life. You know, it's just so natural. Yeah. I love when it's like, you know, say they'll be at dinner or something like that. And Richard be like, no, I, I told him I would get the check because, you yeah. know, and then they have this whole, they have the like, whole you can thing. just picture them doing that in real life, you know, yeah. like, and, and again, they're not really, cause that's the other thing about uh, curb is it's all improv. Like they set up right. situations, right. And you got to like maybe hit, a plot point or something but nobody even really knows the story you're just improving the scene so again that's do less too because it's just like let's just be natural here free flow it i loved i love the most recent season but uh i remember there was like that one episode where uh larry wouldn't get to sit at the hot people table or something like that right. and he was like <laughs> i should be sitting over there at the, you know it's a whole <laughs> right. thing man exactly exactly yeah you got man, a, you got any top episodes of curb that we can leave the people with here you got any episodes that you always go back to Oh man. Um, yeah, there's a couple episodes that, that the car periscope episode, I don't know if you remember that one. That's unbelievable. That whole season when he's in New York, I really, I really love that. Um, man, what's, uh, I mean, I've seen them all multiple yeah. times. Anything with Leon, you know, when Leon starts getting in the mix, that whole season with the blacks. Oh, I love that. Love that. It's just un unbelievable. Uh, I like when Larry like has like the heart attack or whatever and he passes out on the floor yeah right um so yeah any season you know i'd say leon i mean they're all amazing but like leon and above like season six or seven and above it's just uh it's phenomenal that's great man where can the people yeah. uh follow you at tell them to plug whatever you need yeah time. so uh, i'll say do less podcast uh with me and jake velasquez uh, you can find it on itunes you can find it on spotify on social media at uh mike underscore Bramante uh and tiktok i guess mike vermonte comedy trying to build that a little bit put out funny videos 
Heck yeah, man. I'll give you a follow on there. <laughs> but uh, listen, man, I really appreciate you having me. I'm, you know, we're the same person. I'm glad you found that out. And I look yeah. forward to having you in New York so we can hang out uh, every day and become best friends. I, I'm looking forward to it. You can be the best man at my wedding. Uh, we'll have a whole Kirby Enthusiasm theme. It'll be great. All right. Hey, remember to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Franco's World underscore, subscribe to the show, all that stuff. And uh, keep taking care of yourself. See you, everybody.